Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris, and we are on location once again today. And this is probably our personal most anticipated episode that we have done so far. We are out at the Edgefield McMinimins, and uh, we will be sitting down within, oh, I don't know, 20 minutes with Dan McMiniman and uh, interviewing him. He just gave us a little bit of a brewery tour, and uh, we're going to do the beer of the week with him. We've got a sample of all of their beers right in front of us. We're going to have some food coming, too. I don't know where to start. I don't really want to do a a what we did in in beer this week thing. I just want to talk <clears throat> McMinimins because we're here. Yeah, and it's a cool spot, and I'm very happy that we got a chance to do this. Yeah, it's funny. This is your first time ever being here, right? To Edgefield, yes. <clears throat> I've been to. I was counting in the car on the way here. I think I've been to maybe five to eight McMinimins locations total. Okay. I think they have sixty right now. Whoa. So uh, <laughs> I'm not really cracking in too much into that, but. Uh, I've been to a couple of the smaller places, plus uh, I've been to the one in Forest Grove, which is kind of that old hotel, and I've been to the one in Hillsborough, Cornelius Pass, which kind of has a nice little outdoor garden, which is cool, and a couple of the small ones, and I went to the Wilsonville Church. But beyond that, I'm not 100% sure I've, I've explored too much of the, uh, of the world of the Minimans thus far. So this is my first time out at Edgefield. Well, I grew up in the area. So you did. Yeah, so I've been to many, many, many of these. I've been to the two in Vancouver. I've been out here before. I've been to Kennedy School. I live right next to the Chapel Pub. Um, the Crystal Ballroom, of course. Um, stayed at the Crystal Hotel. I've been to the, the main one in Bend. I can't remember the name of it, but oh, the Old Francis Church. Uh, I've been to that one. Now, there's a lot of them, at least locally. If you're in the Portland, greater Portland area, I've been to probably all of those. The only ones I haven't touched are like McMinnville, Wilsonville, the Washington. Grand Lodge. Yeah. I've been to the one in Chehalis. That one's really cool. That one's really cool. It's like an old saloon. Uh, and then I think I've been to one in Olympia as well. Well, this is uh, – I'm going to just get, get the, the other stuff out of the way. We've got – you can find this podcast everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Radio.com, 1080thefan.com, Stitcher. You can find us on social media. I'm at MikeLynch27 on Twitter. Patrick's at PDD085 on Instagram. And uh, we post the podcast there as well every Thursday, sometime around 4 o'clock, sometimes a little earlier, sometimes a little bit later. And I just wanted to get that out of the, I just want to talk minimums. I don't even want to do the, the generic podcast open stuff that we've been doing. I just want to talk about where no, we, we are right now. But we kind of have to. Well, I know. That's why I just did it. Uh, <laughs> that's where you can find us. Subscribe, rate, review, wherever you find us. We appreciate it. Um, any any star rating or review or subscription that you give us helps us a lot and any podcast download that you do for us helps us a lot so uh thank you very much for listening and hopefully you guys enjoy this episode as much as we are prepared to enjoy it uh here recording it right now so where do you want to start do you want to start with McMinimins and what it means do you want to start with the beer that's in front of us Uh, i mean there's so many places we can go 
but yeah, I mean, I, I let let's start with where what McMinimins is in this town. Um, so I moved to this town in '97. I mean, technically, I moved to Vancouver. I grew up in Vancouver. Um, moved here in '97, and my parents would always take us out of Vancouver. We'd always go places and do things. And McMinimins became a quick, bright, like, oh, let's go check that out. There's this classic picture of me and my sister and my parents at Edgefield standing next to one of the hedges outside in, like, the summertime, and it's the four of us, like a family picture, and it's here. And I, like, remember that day, and I remember coming here. I've seen I've seen a ton of concerts, whether it's at Edgefield or the Crystal Ballroom. Uh, McMinimins in this town in the 20 years I've been here has always been a staple. It's always here. You can throw a rock and hit one. And their mark on this town in terms of the craft beer scene and creating this, like, fun environment and fun kind of, like, I don't know, situation that surrounds craft beer, these guys are kind of at the forefront of that. The And a lot of it has nothing to do with beer, too. It's just about creating awesome environments and places to be and people to hang out with and drink beer. The Ruby Made Our OG Beers podcast episode. Yes, it did. And that was one that was... One that I actually hadn't had before. My wife had had it and liked it quite a bit, but I hadn't had a ruby because, well, frankly, I'm not a huge fan of, of fruity beers generally. So I, when I when I had been to McMinnis before, I had had the Terminator Stout, of course, and I've had some of their other rotating beers, but I had not had that in, in particular. It was really good and really refreshing, and I liked it a lot. So that was kind of my, not my introduction, obviously, but my reintroduction to McMinnis because it had been a while since I'd been to one. I think when I first moved to the suburbs, when I was uh, here maybe... God, that's probably like five or six years ago at this point. We lived out uh, in Beaverton, and we went to the Tiger, I think it's the John Barleycorns location, I believe is the name of it, out there. And that was the first McMinimins I'd ever gone to. I knew it was a brewery. I knew it was close by, so it was a convenient one for us to go to. And it was kind of set in this old house. And there was like a, a hearth in the middle, or a hearth, however you say it. And it was just kind of an interesting spot. Now, it... It didn't remind me of, like, what Edgefield is or what the Forest Grove one I've been to is or, like, the Kennedy School and all that stuff, which is way more historic. But it it just had such a unique vibe that I went, this is cool. And we went back there a couple of times. Then we had some friends who lived down in um, uh, Woodburn, and they invited us to go to the Wilsonville Church, which was a fairly new one that they had opened up. That was the second one I had ever been to. That was also really, really cool because it's just set in an old church. It's Mm -hmm. not really in a a great spot in my opinion it's right off the highway it's easy to get to but you're not just like in a cool small town you're just right next to a highway but you're in an old church uh and then my wife and i once just experimented and just drove to forest grove we were like we've never been there let's go out there and we stopped at a restaurant and then on the way home we stopped at the forest grove it's a hotel that's out there and we uh we grabbed a beer there and kind of experienced it was kind of a cool creepy vibe there was a little bit of a creep factor there because it was a really old ho- old hotel and uh, just kind of had like that haunted Ghost Adventures feel to it to me. <laughs> and then there's a couple that are that are smaller, strip mall ones near where I live that I've been to as well. But, I mean, for me what it was was it's another brewery that is so unique in this town. And for somebody like me who has been trying as many breweries as I could even before this podcast, it was a place that was, I knew, always going to be a cool experience no matter what and no matter where I went. The food was always the same, right, because yeah. it's the same menu for the most part across the board. The beer is, you know, they've got maybe not always the same. They have 
the, different breweries they, they, at different core locations. Brands, though. But the core brand is always there. Hammerhead and Terminator. I movie. think it's also a good place to meet friends, too, because yeah. it, it, it kind of naturally invites conversation and friendship, I feel like. Some breweries don't. Some breweries, I mean, it's, it's a place you go to eat, you get to gra- grab a beer, but then you go somewhere else. I feel like Minimins is a place where you stay yeah. for a long period of time. And I thought... I find that really interesting and cool. And there was always something cool with me. I used to used to go down to the White Eagle uh, <clears throat> down there near the uh, near the Widmer Brewery, down the street from uh, Laboratory, I believe, is right next to them now, kind of in that Ex Novo area there. And we used to go down there, and there was something that I always loved that made me feel like in the know and cool. And that was because I don't know if they still do. I imagine they still do with one of them, but I can't remember. I don't know if they do it with the other, but there was, like, a secret menu. It was, like, a secret beer menu. Really? Yeah, because you could order the Rubinator, which was half Ruby, half Terminator style. Or the Tomahawk, which mm. was Hammerhead and then an IPA. And they were mixed. And now, fast forward years later, I'm not the biggest fan of mixing beers because I want to taste the beer as the brewer has created it. But back then, you felt... You felt like, oh, yeah, you'd walk up to the bar and you'd be like, oh, I'll have a tomahawk. And your friend's like, tomahawk? <laughs> I don't see that anywhere. Is that like a special? And it's like, sorry, man, if you don't know, you can't have it. I, I had that, uh, not at the minimums, but at Rogue. I, I would, they, they've now made it a beer, but you go there and you order the Snickers. And it was their hazelnut nectar oh, and, yeah. their, and their chocolate porter or chocolate stout mixed together. Mm-hmm. And it tastes like a Snickers bar. And now right. they actually made that at their own beer. But you would go there and be like, can I have a Snickers? And they'd be like... I'll get you one. Yeah, see, if it always it made feel, me, it's like I you understand. I got you. I yeah, got you. It, it always made me feel cool. So we've got a we've got thirteen beers in front of us right now, all made here, all made here, and uh, we just like I said when we started the podcast, we just toured the brewery. By the way, is awesome. It is super unique, of course. Yep. Uh, it's set in an old like refrigeration unit, and they still have the old meat hooks. Not the hooks, but the the track that the meat hooks sat on. It's an old slaughterhouse. It's an old slaughterhouse, and the the the, the doors into various storage rooms are all really old, and it's just a, a complete flashback into time. There's artwork even in those, which mm-hmm. the public doesn't see. Right, it's artwork that you see in all the McMinnimans around the the area, but it's in the brewery just for the guys who work there, and it was really cool. It was a it was, and they have 1990 tanks that they're still using yeah. as. What was it? The mash tank was from 1991, he said? 92, I think. Well, the whole thing, the mash, the kettle, and the whirlpool were all from 92. And he said, still working just fine. There's like, like there, there's copper on it, and the copper's like oxidizing, and you can tell that it's older, you know, but if it's clean inside, then it doesn't really matter. Exactly. So that was kind of really cool. For those of you that have never been out to Edgefield, I suppose we should preface with this. Edgefield was an old poor farm. So they basically bought this whole farm and turned it into... You know, kind of their coup de gras of all places, the mothership, as some would say. So there's hotel, there's like four bars, there's a cigar lounge, there's a par three golf course, there is a live concert venue. venue. Um, They've got pretty much anything and everything. They make wine out here, they make spirits out here. This is kind of like the big baby of them all. I think that was interesting, too, is uh, we were talking to Dan, who's going to be sitting on the podcast here in a little bit, and he was saying because they make their beer and their uh, spirits and their wine all in this campus, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, that beer's really good. That's the peanut butter one. Um, it They kind of easily have this freedom to 
use their own wine barrels and to experiment with using yep. some of their spirits with the beer and all that kind of – it's just easy because it's just like, hey, 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 we're all right here. And I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah, and, and it, it's funny because it's just another reminder – I, th- I think the one thing that I loved going in the brewery, because I didn't know what to expect walking into that brewery, because I've never, I didn't know that that's where it was. I never really kind of asked or even really pondered where the brewery was in this location. But going in there and seeing that, yeah, they repurposed the old slaughterhouse. There's these, you know, looks like 100-year-old doors to get into their coolers and their storage area, and then, you know, tanks from the 90s. It just reminds me, it reminds us all that, brewing itself is still pretty blue collar because i think you can walk in and you can you can take a look at this place and how beautiful it is and how historic it is and they have so many locations that they've got to financially be doing pretty well so you don't know if you're going to walk in and just see shiny brand new stuff all day every day and, and they like, did have new tanks yeah I they mean, did there, was, have, there yeah, was new stuff going yeah, on but, but it it's still nice and humbling to see that it's like yeah you're still blue collar brewers like like everybody else i think they understand that the history is really important, even yeah. if they have money enough to get some of the, the brand new stuff that's out there. I mean, we, we saw they had, I, I don't know if this was unique, but the, 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 the head brewer there, Nate, was really excited about it. It was a keg machine that in like 10 seconds filled a keg. Yeah, 15 and, seconds. It and, washes and then fills it in 15 seconds. And I'm assuming that's a big deal, right? That's a huge deal. Right. So they still have nice brand new shiny things, but it's set in a cool historic environment that still appreciates the the old. Yeah. That uh, That is become kind of the trademark of McMinimins, repurposing old places into becoming cool places to go spend time. Yeah, and it's it's almost like this place lives on the same model they've been living on for 20-plus years, 30 years. And it still works. And it still works, and it still can seem new. You know what I mean? Like, it's still, you know, I think we talk about this when we talk about the OGs and how some of them have struggled in the past and such that they haven't found a way to kind of reinvent themselves. But it feels like McMinimins sometimes continues to ad- evolve and adapt themselves because the model is, like, timeless. Yep. Does that make sense? It makes, it yeah. makes all the sense That the it's like, wait, but they're still doing this. They're still doing the same stuff they've been doing since the 80s. And it's like, yeah, but it's not failing. I mean, like, Mike, we're sitting here. Sure, it's lunchtime. And this, this restaurant's pretty it's, full. It's 11.53 a.m., on a Thursday, and it's full. And it's full. And it's not like there's a and business park. Nike is not next we're, door. We're in Troutdale. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there is literally like a farm road to get in here. Yeah. So, all right, beer in front of us. Before beer in we, front of us. Sorry, we, sidetracking. We've got 13 beers in front of us, so we got to get to some of them. I've gotten through the first seven of them so far. Seven? The, the peanut butter cup stout. Who boy. Early leader on the board. Early leader on the board for me. That is quite tasty. It says it's a combo with another brewery down in Bend called uh, you go? Old St. Francis. Oh, that's that's their uh, Oh, it's their own. That's their own, yeah. That so one is really cool. It's a combo of two of their different brewers and it's working like together. Downtown Bend. Like Deschutes is across the street. So that is uh, that is my early favorite. We've tried the Terminator Stout, the Ruby, the Kolsch. The, uh, what was number four? The brown. Oh, that brown was good. Yeah, brownie points, brown, the peanut butter cup stout, and we've had the hammerhead, and I also tried the marzen. Yeah. So I'm we still have a bunch left, but so far so good. I'm, I'm enjoying it. The, the ruby, very different off tap than it was in the can that we did in the OG episode. How so? Uh, it's a little bit less cloying. Okay. Off the can, it was, it was very sweet. It was a, a very clear ruby 
uh, grapefruit This ale. giving you a little more bright. This is a little bit more of a bright tank kind of experience to me. Could be, could be fresher, too. Well, but I'm imagining so, yeah, yeah, but I agree that that draft is probably going to help you out there. Uh, I tried the Ruby, the Kolsch, the Peanut Butter Cup Stout, the Marison, and, uh, and I just did the Hammerhead again and had flashbacks to being 22. And uh, I'm looking at the Mellow Vibes Lager and the 33rd State IPA as well. The, uh, yeah, the uh, the Hammerhead, st- or the IPA, right? The Hammerhead mm-hmm. is incredible. Hammerhead's a pale. Is that what it was? It's okay. like a Northwest Pale. So it's like a hoppy pale. That is a very malty Northwest Pale. Yeah. I'm try- I'm try- remember, I'm trying to get better at judging where the hops and the malts are. To me, I could taste a lot of hop forward or malt forwardness in that beer. Right. For a Northwest Pale, it is fairly malty. But you know what it kind of tastes like? Mm. Stop me if you've heard this before, but it kind of tastes like a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Whoa. <laughs> but I think I'm, that's I'm the model. A, I'm going to take another That's the now. model. It reminds me of a mirror pond as well, you know? Like, that's like let's get that that West Coast style that – because I think, I think without going on too much of a tangent, pale ales have gone down the line of basically – Session IPAs yep. or low ABV IPAs, IPA light, IPA juniors, whatever you want to call them. They've gone down that path to where that's what you kind of see with places like Deschutes and McMinimins is that their Northwest Pale is still going to be fairly malt forward because it's not built to, for a hop head. <clears throat> so we got the food that just got placed down in front of us as well. Yeah. I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you've been here a lot more, they're famous for their tots. Yeah. Right? It is, you know, if you go to McMinimins, you're getting tots, and you got a loaded tots right in front of you right now. I got a burger. Shocking. Uh, it's a super spicy burger, so I'm going to wait until after we're done with this segment to take my first bite because I don't want to be <sighs> after <laughs> after every single bite. But uh, the food here is always really consistent. It, you know what you're getting when you go to McMinimins. You know it's going to be quality food. And uh, if you find something you like, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Every single place you go, it's going to have that on the, on the menu. I got tachos. And I think that's going to be really cool. Yeah. I think that's that's nice for a place like this where there's so many locations, but you know the quality is always going to be there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, there's a consistency. It makes it comfortable. That's why I think you were mentioning this earlier. That's why it's an easy place to meet people and take people because everybody kind of knows what they're getting into. Right. It's not like, you know, and no offense to them, I'm glad they do something like this, but it's like if I take a friend to Modern Times and I'm like, Hey, let's grab some food. Are you hungry? It's like, oh, my God, I'm so starving. I could go for a burger right now. And it's like, ooh, I forgot to tell you they're vegan. You know, I didn't know that. Yeah. To where to where you kind of everybody kind of knows. Like I was looking at the menu and I was like, what am I going to eat, Mike? I couldn't decide on anything because I'm just like staring at the Captain Neon burger because I've had probably 4000 Captain Neon burgers in my life. Well, I asked you, what do you like? And you were like, nothing. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, I don't eat food. <laughs> and I was like, well, at the places we've been, you like to get a little app and then pick at it throughout the meal. And I was Basically. like, so get, get the tachas. Yeah. They look good. And they're known for their tots. Go do that. I, I'm sad that I had to pick that for you. <laughs> I was like, Pat, no, just, no, just thanks. eat this. No, I'm glad. I needed an adult for a minute. <laughs> um, anything else before we uh, we bring in the interview portion here? I. I feel like there's so much to get to, but I want to save some of it for the interview too, because I'm I'm interested in the inside insight on the questions that I have. But um, anything else before we we take a quick break? No, I mean I think we all we're all. If you're listening to this podcast, if you don't know what McMinimins is, you live in a hole, um, or you don't really drink beer and you're just a hoser. But uh, I would. But ver- keep listening, please, <laughs> even if you're a hoser. But I would very very highly recommend checking out Edgefield, whether it's the Par Three Golf Course, the wedding venue. 
the summer concert series, all that kind of stuff. It is 100% worth it. The spirits here are fantastic. The, the like, hidden bars they have everywhere are great. And um, there's even, a, a, a like, a cigar lounge. That's a good final thought. Their spirits are great. I've actually never tried their wine before, so I can't say either way. But their spirits are really, really, really good. I got, like, a honey apple bourbon that they did out of the Cornelius Pass one in Hillsboro. Man, I want that all the time and as my bourbon. It is so good. So good. And uh, you're right. The hidden bars are cool. When you wander around one of the big locations that they have and you find, like, this tiny, like, 15, 20-seat bar mm-hmm. in this nook that you didn't know was there and there's still 10 people in there and you're like, wow, and this is really cool. And behind the bar with a heater hanging out of his mouth and yep. he's been working there for <laughs> 70 years. Yep. It's it, they, Like I said, it's a lot of this is, is atmosphere mm-hmm. and memories, too. Yep. So I think that's kind of the key. So anyway. Interview portion coming up next. Dan McMiniman is going to sit in with us and also do Beer of the Week with us as well. So that's coming up next here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Interview portion time of Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. And we are sitting down right now with Dan McMiniman. He is the owner and the son of one of the original brothers who created McMiniman's. Mike is his father. So, uh, well, Dan, first of all, thank you for having us out. It's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for reaching out. And I have so many questions. I'm kind of struggling of where to start. But I think my first big thing is you guys have so many locations. 60? 61 now? Some, so it depends on how you count. You okay. Know, so you, ask different, you ask different people in my family, one of the different owners, they're going to say a different number. So, so somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. Which is ma- like a maddening number when you think about it compared to other breweries in the state which have at most two or three. And you're like, oh, 63. Uh, what was the strategy behind opening that many locations, and why has it been so successful? Uh, I, I don't know if there was a strategy per se, but uh, we love projects. And we like history, and, and there's local ties to different places that we operate in, you know. And so, you know, the original fl- the idea original idea was let's just do a pub. But at the time, late 70s, 80s, there there wasn't, you know. And this is this is not me. You know, I was a kid, or not born yet. My dad's idea, my parents' idea was like, well, let's just do a pub. Taverns were smoky, windowless, sort of familyless places. You go there to gamble and smoke and drink, and you know, the Irish pub or the European pub model hadn't really taken hold at that, at that time. There were some around, you know, not as much in the West Coast, but they were coming around. Um, that was originally did start making stuff from there. And then uh, from there, you know, the progression happens. You know, you start wanting to make, originally you're carrying the best beer you can find, which is at the time was imports, because domestically you're getting. Yeah, there's really nothing. Yeah, you got, yeah. You know, you got five choices or whatever. So you bring your imports, you got the best imports you can possibly get, and people are stoked, you know. And uh, at a point you go, well, Let's make it, you know. And so then we got together with some folks and um, at the time, and my dad and, and uh, a bunch of other people and his dad, who's an attorney, got together and they lobbied, got a whole team together and lobbied to change the brewing law, which has, you know, been talked about a little bit, so that you could, you could brew you know, on a smaller scale. At the time, I think you could only brew up to, you could only do major production, but nothing smaller. Um, and that kind of started to open it up a little bit so people could start making their own stuff. And then at that point, you know, we don't. We had a couple locations. We weren't brewing yet. We brewed in uh, first place was Hillsdale Pub, and uh, so we had two locations before that. We had the Barley Mill and the, and the Greenway Pub, and the Hillsdale opened up, and it was eighty four, eighty five, and we started brewing, and then uh, from there it was just you know. And early on, the brewing was you know, 
was ham-fisted brewing, you know. Let's throw a Snickers bar in there and see what happens, you know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. You know, figure it out. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, my dad would say you kind of you graduate, you start out as your freshman, you know, you, you don't know anything. And you, but you, you have ideas. And then you get to be a sophomore, and you still don't know anything, but you have more ideas, and you know a little bit more maybe. But you also think you're hilarious, and, you know. And then you, you start to graduate over time to, to make better stuff, and then you grow up over time, and you, you keep trying, and you keep working at it. And, and the whole thing about the companies is just – progression we're more about progressing than we are about maybe necessarily having a strategic plan to you know well this demographic here tells us we should go here this you know, right it's more like a historic building would come up you know when we got to that point edgefield was kind of the catalyst for for really bringing it all home was with, this the first cool this historic was, location? this was we had the mission theater so we had some history there with it was a longshoreman hall and i've been there and uh we were talking about all the yeah. places i'm from here i was trying to talk about all the places i've been to and I was like, I know I'm going to miss some. You mentioned yeah, that, and I was that, like, that, oh, yeah, been there. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to, you know, how do you recall it? It's yeah. like if somebody walks up and says, hey, tell me your 50 best albums right now. You're like, yeah. uh, <laughs> I can do like five. You know? <laughs> or maybe you can get to 10, and then you're going to start slowing down. But Edgefield was, was this massive project that was dilapidated, all that was dead, but it had great history and it had great potential that, that Dad saw, and, and uh, no bank wanted to do that. It, it, we got one bank that wanted to do it. It took a long time. A lot of no's before you got a yes. Yeah. And uh, it was it was befouled with tragedy. There was like a fire out here, and it burned part of the stuff right before we opened. It was just anyway. It grew up and taught us a lot about what we could be doing. Um, and then we started making beer, and you know we were been make, been making beer. We started making wine, started distilling later, uh, and then it just kind of went from there. And I think the, the climate's changed so much that you know now you gotta, and, and it's full experimentation. It's full everything. There's there is no rule. There are no rules. There's no out of bounds. You can do whatever you want it's really cool and we like that i mean the, the best thing about it is that portland's gotten this thing where it's collectively you know exponentially grown itself so it's it's not like it's limited it's not like somebody's trying to say you can't do that or, you know this is our part yeah there are there are yeah. no rules That's anymore not, yeah no, no it's great we you know we've we've had great relationships with brewers from our place that have left and opened their own breweries and, and done great and it's been a it's been a really great to see you know do you think was was you being a part of this was this always in your head as a kid that you wanted to continue with, no. with what Dad had started? No, um, it was interesting because there was so much going on, you know. And as as I saw it grow, um, there was just all these elements that were interesting to me, you know. And, and uh, I started out here at Edgefield, actually, where we are, and and in the gardens, you know, trying to just but mostly digging holes and pulling weeds, and you know, clearing blackberries and picking up garbage and asking if I could use a tractor, and they tell me no every <laughs> summer until I was just old enough to not roll it, uh, but. As time passed and the company grew and, and I got into different stuff, um, it started to look really good, you know. And that and I started I started um, in the gardens and I worked summers in different jobs. I worked at the Crystal and you know doing some production and security, and then uh, got into brewing for a while. Did some brewing in college and then brewed for the company for a time, and then got into management to kind of went from there. But uh, there's the progression and the organic growth in all the different areas has made it so fun, you know. So mm -hmm. it's just like and we and that's why you know we have. I think 26 or 27, somebody's going to shoot me for this, 27 breweries. You know, about half about half locations brew uh, from small house to, to, to here is our biggest. Um, and they all do it a little differently. The water is a little different. The brewery is a little different. Mm. We have the same recipes. Right, right. You know, so. But, can, but at all, they all have their own little house personal it's touch. All, it's all got a house thing, you know. And, and, and there's there have been discussions before about, well, what if we, you know, made this one beer the same for everywhere? And it's like, well, maybe the strength of it is that, that you know, the regulars can go, well, I like the hammerhead here, and the, regu and the regular over, you know, the, the brewery that's like five miles away is like, no, I like the hammerhead here. And they, <laughs> they can actually have arguments about it. And it actually has happened. I've been at, like, 
when I worked at Cornelius Pass, it would come out. People would drive out because Bart Hans, the brewer, had the best hammerhead. He would dry hop it and then hold on to it. You couldn't get it out of the walk-in, the dry hop stuff, until it was exactly two weeks. Hmm. And if it was past four weeks, he would try to pull it back out of the thing. Because he was like, this is prime right here. Because the way we were dry hopping at the time, it's a hop sack. You yeah, know, it's, yeah. It's pounding in the bunk. It's just floating around in there like a tea bag. And it's not great after a certain time. And it's right, not right. really, doesn't start to show up until a certain amount of time. Like so. steeping tea. You don't want to yeah. steep tea for too long. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads me to my next question then. Uh, you guys are, I think, the only one in the city that has decided to keep every one of your beers in-house for the most part. Um, you know, you, you have to go to a McMinniman's location to get a McMinniman's beer. You can't. Go to a tap house. You can't go to a, uh, a supermarket right. and grab a McMinniman's beer. Why was that the decision, and, and how has that kind of formed how, where you guys are now? That's interesting because we, we have talked about it. it hasn't, like, it's not like it hasn't been a discussion at right. different times. Well, it's a production facility. Well, um, I think with the amount of the locations we have now, it's not hard to get, go too far to go get it. Um, but, yeah, you, you can't go to a market and get it. Um, I think there's – there's a couple reasons, you know. It's hard. It's hard to. It's a hard. It's a different business model to get into on that level. It's hard. It's hard to compete in stores. You're you're got to pay to play shelf space. You need people out there. And, and my concern has always been, at least my stance on it has always been, it's very hard to know how my our product is being treated. You know, is it being handled properly? You it's know, it's always you, the ultimate. It's like once yeah. it leaves the door, what's happening? You have no control. What's happening? I know you yeah. can trust. You know, <laughs> you can trust your distributor that they're going to take care of it and do it right, but you still don't. You know. don't know. You know, and, and and then and there's always new breweries and there's always the new latest and greatest stuff. And so as that happens, you're you're fighting to stay relevant on in in that sphere, which is very difficult. Um, and so I think that we've started. We've stayed with the grassroots approach, uh, mainly through you know, uh, part of it is it's. it's a huge financial investment to put together a distribution facility. You, you need to build it, you know, and you need to have the capacity to do it. Um, and I suppose we could get a fair amount of production out of Edgefield, but it would change how or what we're able to do otherwise. Right. You know? And uh, I think that's kind of, I mean, I kind of think I, I, I don't know if I kind of answered it all the way, but I think that's kind of the reasons why we're, we were a little hesitant, you know. And, well, and it's, I guess to dig a little deeper then, <coughs> do people – complain and, and say, hey, why can't I get sure. this at my Albertsons? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, I mean, so you've had those conversations before. Right. I guess for people out there who who want to get McMinimins and maybe, I don't know, don't live that close to one right. or it's not that convenient, right. what is the best way to get it then? Uh, I know that you guys have a bottle shop that I saw. It's on right. 23rd that you can go stop on. and We've got a bottle shop. We started to do some canning, you know, so we do limited canning releases so we can try to distribute a little bit more. Right. Um, but yeah, it's that is the thing. We get that. We get that comments. You know, and people. Some are a little more aggressive than others. You know, like, what, what the hell? You know, and it's like, well, you know, we. Well, we, some people are just a little more aggressive than others. Sure, in general. that's just people, right? You know, <laughs> yes, and it's great. Yes. That's fine. You know, I love so. humanity. People suck. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think we just, you know, kind of say, well, sorry, you know, we, you know, I don't know if we could do. We're kind of at a point where we're doing so much different stuff now that I don't even know if we'd be able to do it like we'd want to do it, um, and feel like it was getting to. The to people that right. it should be. Right. You know. The uh, Dan McBenjamin sitting down with us, owner of McBenjamin, son of one of the original brothers who opened this, son of Mike. The, the, but just going back to the historical location. Dan, thing. son of Mike, House <laughs> McMinniman. I know. It sounds I like am, a starting for like a graphic novel. Like I am watching Game like of Thrones right now. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, with the historical location thing, do you almost feel at this point a responsibility to find these 
great places that have history that are abandoned oh, nice and question, turn them into the well, Great McMinimins because it's, I'm sure it started out here like, hey, this is a great spot. It's large. We can do a lot of things here. Like this place would be torn down. Kennedy would be torn right. down. And now sure. Chapel Pub. it maybe. feels like almost every cool old location is becoming a McMinimins at some point. Well, we try. You know, we get, we get a ton of mail about it. Wonderful people in their towns. So, hey, check out this building, the school, this old you know post office. It's great. I mean, people are just awesome about that. And we have projects just out, like out, way out for the next you know five to ten years. And we try to you know I try to let people know, hey, we'd love to, but we just we get overwhelmed with stuff. And I think you you see stuff that's interesting and old, and you want to save it because. There's a community attachment. There's a history to it. And when you start digging, and we have a uh, staff historian actually has three assistants. And they, they start out years in advance on projects. That's unique. And do, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, you know, we have some staff. We have some staff artists and staff historian. We have, we have, some, we have some departments that might not be your normal. Right. You they know. aren't normally at, uh, at breweries. And you've and you got uh, to do your homework because you've got to know what's going on there. People will come in and, and, and call you on it. You get somebody who comes from the neighborhood who's 90 years old, and they go, no, you know, that, that, that teacher was actually in this room. You know, this is their name, you know, and it, it's great. Like, Kennedy School has phenomenal community attachment for a couple of reasons. One being the history. A lot of people went there. That neighborhood is really there. old. And, uh, and, you know, we allow the community to use the pool and use the there's community garden kind of part of the property. But when we, when we did that project, a lot of the projects, it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to do it. Um, I think that's why you probably don't see more of it because it just costs way more to, to rehab an old building just to, just to torch it and put up a new one. It, it's just yeah, a building could be too far gone. If, you, if you're looking you at numbers, if you're looking at numbers, it's no, no question. But at least from the outside, if you're looking at McMinimins, you're saying, "Wow, they save all these great old historic buildings." Sure, you might not be able to save all of them that you want, but you try. Yeah, you try. You know, you try to, and you try to. You know, good ones. Are, there's a lot of good ones, and, yeah. and it's. Uh, but yeah, you want it. You know, and 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 uh, I think it's because it. Because it's it's more connections to, to people, in the end. The the next question I have on this is, how is the changing and growing of Portland as a brewery city and a beer city affected what you guys have done yourselves, or have you tried to stay really true to your brand despite all the growth and popularity and I don't know maybe pressure that's coming? Oh, in it from makes the you outside. up your game. It makes you up your game all the time. I mean that's the whole thing, right? You know you you can do it. You can do it. There's a variety of ways you can do it, but there's the, the old thought on the bar thing, right? Is you got your own bar on the street, another bar comes, you're like, I don't want that bar on my street. We're the only bar on the street. Or you're like, we want as many bars as we can get on the street because people are going to come in and check it out. We want as many breweries as we can get in this town. People will come check it out. But to stay relevant, you have to, you have to go. Right. You've got you to be, you know. And so we've made some pretty big pushes in the last probably 10 years to really keep up with, you know. We, we were, like a lot of things, you know, nothing's constant. You're in and out. You know, you phase in and out of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were, we put a lot more attention to the beer brewing. You know, we brewed for a long time. Um, but I think, you know, the, the focus on it goes in and out like anything else. And we put a lot of focus in the last, you know, five, ten years. Keeping on to that, we've seen, you know, Mike and I, it's been a discussion we've had with this podcast for a while. And it's actually kind of the discussion, not just within the beer community, but to the average consumer. And that is, you know, the the successes and most of the time lately, the failures of other breweries. And more specifically, we've seen, Bridgeport shut down. We've seen Widmer make mass cutbacks in terms of there is no taproom anymore. Do you and and Mike and I always talk about the OGs, the Bridgeports, Widmers, you guys, the Deschutes. You know, you can maybe throw in the full sales in there as well. Sure. Um, we did a whole podcast on OG beers, and we 
brought in Ruby and we brought in uh, Black right Porter and uh, the Amber from Full Sail, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And sadly, like three months later, Bridgeport was gone. Yeah. And Widmer stopped everything local and just went to mass production. Yeah. So, so my question is to you, when you guys see that, and I'm sure you know many people over there, considering you guys all kind of did this together, does that scare you for you guys? Does that... Are you worried about it because your model is quite different than theirs? Or what? how do you guys view what's happening in the community, especially with the older ones that aren't necessarily reinventing themselves and adapting to the changing times? I think it's a it's a cycle type thing. You know, it's, it's sad when a company that's been around for a while goes away, you know, mm-hmm. but it is part of the it's part of the business climate, you know. Right. And it's hard to stay on it, you know. And so I think for the most part, we look, we're, we're so focused on what we're doing, you know, and we're doing a lot of different things and we're, I don't want to use the word diversifying because it's tired, but we, we do a lot of different stuff, and we're interested in a lot of different things. And so, you know, um, our focus is is div- divvied up a lot of different ways. And so we just try to make the best stuff we could possibly make, and we try to integrate it with other stuff that we make. You know, so we do distilling, we winery, we roast our own coffee. Um, and you just keep trying to build on that stuff, you know. And I think that, like I was getting back to the history thing, what roots the history thing, it, it pulls all those elements together of craftsmanship and making things and community. And, and it's not just one product, you know, it's the community and it's the history and it's the art and it's the music and it's the food and it's all the other stuff. And so I think it's really hard if you're, if you're, if you're built around like a one thing. And, and, and I, and I got a lot of respect for places that are able to hang on doing that. Cause it's very hard if you're built around a one, one central type of thought, you know? Well, that makes sense. Cause in the first segment we were talking a little bit about how, McMinimins, when you go, is a completely different experience than when you go to any other brewery, right? Uh, at least I said it feels like a place that you spend more time at than you would if you were just like, hey, let's go get a beer at blank. You go to McMinimins and you're like, hey, let's grab a beer at the bar. Let's have some food. Depending on the location, you could do something else. It's, a, it's kind of a whole night thing or a whole day thing that you, that you spend at McMinimins. And you're, you just kind of alluded to it there with the diver- diversifying of all the things that you guys do. Is that the reason you've been able to stay so popular? I mean, we're here at 11.30 a.m. or noon now, and you guys have been packed since we got here on a Thursday. And it's, it, you don't see that everywhere. You want to you, you you try to have stuff people would want, right? So yeah. you, you kind of you keep building on it, and you, and you use the clues of the past to tell you what it is. You know? And so I think with Edgefield, it's, it's like a big place for people to come ramble around. You know, there's, there's tons of small bars on this property you can go hole up in. You can play golf on the par three golf course. You can walk around the gardens. You can, you know, taste beer and then go to the winery and taste wine and then go taste distillery. I don't know if I'd recommend doing all that in one <laughs> sitting, but you could. As long as you uh, have an Uber home, you're fine. Sure. I mean, you can stay here too, you know, so you can grab a room if, you, if you're really in, in rough shape or the Uber. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's hard. It's a hard question because it's, uh, you know, I think you're, I think we're always just looking to provide, you know, different things people that would be interested in, you know. So maybe you don't want to drink. Maybe you just want to come out and do a horticulture tour of the garden. We have the gardener here that I worked with. She started out here and has cultivated. She basically cultivated this whole property for, I don't know, 25, 30 years. It's phenomenal. I mean, there's stuff out here that's just like, you can't, you can't even believe it. You know, we have, we're so lucky because we have a lot of people like that working for us that have been with the company for many years in all the different departments, in the breweries, in the history department in the gardens we have gardens department you know um and that's what makes it great because they'll contribute something and that's where that's where it grows from that's where the beer stuff comes from they brought ideas i mean all these these beers you're tasting will come from different brewers and we give them the ability to say hey i want to do this recipe 
you might pitch something like that, and you'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> You're going to put what in there? Dude, pepper beers don't work. Didn't I tell you that? You know, and they're like, no, no, I got this idea, you know, and so we're going to do mango, habanero, coconut, you know, sour. And they're like, that's not, that's not, it's a great beer. It's a great beer. <laughs> We've had it for three years in a row. We sell out. We do canning runs. We sell it out like just, you know, tropic heat is what it ended up being. But it balances, you know. Uh, I, I want to ask this question, and I don't, I don't know the, the, the best way to ask it. So <laughs> you can just to, ask it. Yeah, so, so just roll with me. At this point, where we are now in all the projects, you know, now with wine, distilling, music, the gardens here or the new locations and the environments and kind of stuff, how high does beer still sit on the list of priorities? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, and I don't mean it like you guys don't care about beer anymore. Right, or right, right, right. Like no, that. that's, that's a because great question. Because you have your toes dipped in so many pools, mm-hmm. the beer is kind of, the beer and the pubs are what started you, and then mm-hmm. the beer came. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious where on that list, because a lot of people like go see shows at the Crystal Ballroom a million times, and half of them might not even know that you guys own the place. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm curious. Where does beer still sit on your ladder? It's pretty high. I mean, it's still a pretty big chunk of sales. Yeah. Um, I'd say just from like if you're looking at it from like a raw financial standpoint, it's a pretty I mean, good. I, I figure. Yeah. So it's like food is primary, and then beer. You know, and then the other stuff starts to come into play. Um, I'd say it's pretty high because it's we make it. Anything mm-hmm. that we make it gets a lot of attention because we're always trying to make it better. So it's never like we're done with this. We will make it better. We got to look at different ways to make it better. Always, you know, whether it be equipment or the recipe or whatever. And so nothing sort of, uh, we don't even have, like, there's no <laughs> the rules are there's no rules, right? So nothing's set in stone. So it's like, you can even go and, you know, my brother, who's who was here with us earlier, he, he's a, he's been working on Hammerhead for like five years, trying different, they're doing different test runs, different, different hop additions at the times. It's still the same recipe, but like the water, every, every little bit of it he's been messing with. And, and it's really, um, it's really made some nice improvements to the beer, you know, from equipment upgrades to everything else, you know, and I think that, I think it's still pretty high. I'd say it's still high, you know. So, to answer succinctly, sorry, I'm being long-winded. I no, no, you're, no, time, you're good. So you're, that, that's you're what totally I wanted to <laughs> The To follow that up, what is the one thing that you guys do that has grown the most over the last five or ten years in terms of that hierarchy behind restaurants and beer? No, um, well, I think, you know, we've done more properties, so the hotel room mix has come up quite a bit. You know, liquor has grown quite a bit. The cider, the cider category has grown a ton. Um, we make a lot more cider than we used to, um, and it's got a lot. It's just, it's just cider is more, I think, more popular. People are trying to get away from gluten and right. whatever. You know. Right. Um, it's lower carb. It's lighter body. I think there's something to that. It seems like it gives you a way worse hangover, but yeah. maybe my experience the is limited. It's the sugar in it's it. The it's the sugar. Malic, there's the malic acid in <laughs> yeah, there, which I think no. can, like, tweak your brain in a weird way. <laughs> but uh, Are you on drugs? Are we on drugs? <laughs> what? It's possible. <laughs> um, and then also... You said you guys are opening a brand new location in what a couple weeks now in Tacoma. Yeah, April you want to get a little pub for that? Oh yeah, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an over a hundred year old Elks temple, and and it was at one point the largest Elks, uh, I guess. How do you say that amount of people? I can't, I can't. Words aren't coming to me. Anyway, on the West Coast for a time, the largest population Elks, the large? last group, largest group or sure. attendance or whatever. Yeah. But it, it, anyway. It, but it's it's Cult. a it's a multiple story building. Yeah, it's just a huge it was a huge building. It's a really cool old, you know, bow arts concrete structure. But it's got, you know, five bars, uh, it's got hotel rooms, it's got a music venue, like a seven hundred person music venue, a brewery. Um, got a crazy bar in the basement with a waterfall and a fire pit and a big forty foot canopied bar 
the thunder and lightning thing is pretty nuts. It goes. On. It's just a weird. You know, we were. I was really having fun with that. One. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's just gonna be. It's gonna be great. And it's gonna be a lot of fun to stop through. And it's in the old town of Tacoma, so it's a good spot. Well, I've got. I've got. I got one more. I guess. Yeah, yeah. we'll wrap it up. I, on I got one more to ask you then. Um, we've done the music. We've done cider, beer, wine, spirits. We've got hotels. We got a golf course. What's next? I have no idea. Or what's left? You keep thinking around something, and then something will pop up. So. Yeah, you've got the historical buildings. We've got it well, done. Well, <coughs> we're gonna. You do know, we start? Uh, do you start an airplane company? We do. Start yeah. flying? <laughs> no. Well, that would be fun. But I think across the street, you know, we, we've we've purchased a property across the street on the north side of Halsey, and we're looking to um, add to some more uh, grape, some vineyard production. Mm. I'd like to get some goats and start making cheese. Um, do so. So goats and That's chickens. That's what I, I want to know. Next, yeah, cheese. I think the next, you know, maybe strange position we're gonna have is, a, is a, maybe the animal an, animal husbandry or animal. I don't know what you call it, you know, but taking care of animals, um, being a farmer, property. yeah, more or less, <laughs> some farming, you yeah. know. But I like to get more. It'll come full circle out here. It it, it really is. It yeah. really is. We have a huge garden already that we do a lot of that stuff with. We just want to add to it and build it up even more. Well, I think that's one thing that's just so cool about you guys is, yeah, it started with a pub and beer, and now look at you. So now <laughs> you've spoiled us. You've got us to the point where it's like, well, what's next, man? This isn't good Come enough on! anymore. That's right. This was that's cool, right. and now you just now it's, right, it's, it's right. tired. That's a new thing. <laughs> right, right, right. I think it's more like Keep why, us interested. Why Come not, on. I think, is more of it than anything else. It's like, well, somebody will bring some up and go, why not? Then we'll start looking into it, you know, so. Well, Dan, thank you so much. Uh, do you want to stick around and do beer of the week with us next? Uh, sure. You got time I, for I, a pint? I think I, I think I got time for maybe a glass. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. That's, sure. that's next here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Beer of the Week time here on our McMinniman's Edgefield Takeover. Thanks so much for listening thus far. Dan McMinniman still sitting down with us as our Beer of the Week this week is the 33rd State IPA, which I think was our favorite beer on the sample tray that we had. It was pretty good. It was it was tough. We liked um, we liked the Mr. Ed's Peanut Butter Cup. That was really good. Um, <laughs> we liked the, the Marison. We liked the Mellow Vibes Lager. Uh, and we liked the Vienna Lager. I mean, I don't know. Do you? Technically, call that a Vienna Lager or just Vienna it's Malt? It's Vienna forward? Malt and, and Pilsen. It's a lager. Okay. <laughs> so we picked the 33rd State IPA. This was. I was uh, tempted to go Ruby. I really was. But we've done but Ruby know, on the podcast I know, but before. It was, but it was tasting good. I, well, I know. But so the reason we picked this one is, at least for me, again, as someone who's still trying to get more into IPAs and learn all the different flavors, this to me was a really solid, easy drinking IPA, but you still get the solid hop flavors out of it too. It's not the it's not super malty, so it kind of covers the hops. You still get the distinct hop flavors in it, but it's also drinkable and not super bitter at the same time. So that's the reason I chose it personally. What, what gravitated me towards this beer, and and Dan, maybe you can attest to it a little bit, is I really enjoy the citrus to bitterness balance of this beer. I think this beer has great bitterness, not over like you said, but as somebody that does. In today's world where IPAs are, people are trying to go so far away from the bitterness that I need it. I yearn for it, but I still do like the new wave style of having some more citrus forward hop flavors. The people were wanting less pine, but I'm getting nice citrus, some pine, and some bitterness all kind of balanced together. Like, let's not, like, let's not reinvent the West Coast IPA, okay? It's pretty good how it is. I think that's a good, I think that's a good assessment. You know, you're kind of looking, you're kind of looking at the modern take the most or most current relevant take on what IPA is that would be 
easy to slip into if you're if you're not wanting to go in a, in a specific direction. Mm-hmm. You know, you're hitting the notes you want to hit. You've got the texture you want you want to get, uh, the mouthfeel, the body, um, and it just it's the right thing for this time of year. I think it's just kind of you're you're starting to warm up a little bit, so you don't want too big of a beer. Um, I think the balance was the was the was the directive when we were kind of looking at putting this together. There was a bunch of brewers collaborated on it. They wanted to get something that's very balanced. There's a combination of you know some new and old ingredients. You got some old hops and some new hops kind of in there. You know, Chinook and Simcoe have been around a minute. Uh, Just a mos- few seconds. Mosaic <laughs> and Citra a little bit, a little bit more on the modern yeah, side. Yep. You know, and then and then you've got you know your your classic. Uh, the Crystal 15, you know, is always a nice, you know, just a little bit of that sweetness in there, and it just kind of all balances together. And I think that was kind of the, the key when it came together. Well, and to me, as I've learned very quickly, my favorite hop is the Mosaic Hop. For some reason, that sits well with my palate. I like it a lot. I think maybe this is totally wrong, but it's just how I feel. It's, it feels like the more balanced hop to me. It's less bitter. It's got more of a depth of flavor, in my it's opinion. That tropical fruit thing, you know, yeah. a little bit of passion fruit in there. there there's something yeah. going on in it that, that really, really sits well with me, but... Um, I'm I'm really starting to kind of enjoy some of the old-fashioned hops, too, the ones that we've been seeing for a long time in, in beers, and I'm starting to realize in the beginning I didn't like them because I thought it was like, this is really bitter. Why <laughs> am I drinking this? And now I'm going, if it's well, if it's a well-balanced beer like this one, then it's going to taste delicious. Uh, I'm a big sea hop guy. Yep. Uh, but I think that's because I'm born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, yep. and that's just – Sea hops are – That's just what I've been around. Pretty good way to go. Chinook, Centennial, <laughs> Cascade, Citra, yep. just yep. any of them. Um, I I am I am a really big fan of one thing that I just noticed that I want that we that I forgot to mention earlier. One thing that I do love about you guys uh, when looking at the beer menu is you guys are not afraid of giving us your information. That you're not giving us the recipe, but you have the malts down there. Like if I'm looking at Citra Gogo, one of sure. the newer one of the newer one off sessionable ones that you've got, you're telling me all the malts you're using yep. and the hops you're using, the yep. ABV, the IBUs. Um, Many people, it's like tooth and nail <laughs> trying to find, like, like I taste mosaic in here, but I'm getting, am I getting bitterness from Simcoe? Right. I'm not sure, you know, is is the juiciness coming from a citra hop or is it residual sugar? Like, what's going on here? And they're just like, and you ask a bartender, oh, I don't know. And here, I don't even have to ask. It's just kind of right there. And that's something you guys have, as far as I know, have always done. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, we talked about it earlier a little bit. If you brew, you could brew the same recipe mm-hmm. at five different breweries, and you can get five different beers. Yep, it's just that's going to happen, you know. And so you can you can have fun with it, you know. I mean, there's a lot of the beers in Portland. There are a lot of the old breweries and newer ones are riffed off other beers. Brewers that work for those breweries went on to other breweries. And it happens. It's happened all over Portland and made similar beers or taken one and improved it. You know, a lot in a lot of cases probably made them better, you know. But I, you know, I don't know if it's. Yeah, you, know, you take the recipe and you and you you know you knew a recipe if you worked for us for ten years and took it to a place you might have done that you know yeah. so what you know it's so so maybe we should get our maybe we should work on our recipes and make them better <laughs> you know but I think that's just how it goes you know and, and it's it's that's what makes the industry great here I mean you just keep working on it it says on the menu that this is the, your first ever company wide spring seasonal IPA yes so tell me a little bit about that so we wanted to you know one thing we were working on that we weren't doing enough of is making enough IPAs. And this is probably in the last couple of years. We started ramping it up more. And so the idea of a spring, a seasonal IPA program in just four a year mm-hmm. um, and, and make a match of seasons. And so um, this was one of the first ones in the 33rd state. And we went through a bunch of tests and kind of ran through them and tasted them and seen what people were, you know, what we were liking. And this was one of the first ones that really hit. People were like, we were getting a lot of really positive feedback. People were calling us and emailing and I don't even know if people call anymore. Most email probably yeah. and text. And they're just like, hey, it's, you know, that's you guys are on the right track, you know. So we're, you know, it's good stuff going, you know. That's kind of the idea. So then, are you going to make all this 
at this location, this batch at this location for all pubs, or are you going to brew this at all pubs? All, all pubs. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And that's the first time you've had like maybe a non-core brand being brewed at all the pubs? Is that kind of what we're doing here? Uh, no, they've, they've done that for a long time. You okay. Know, a lot of times come up with their own recipes. They'd, run, you know, they'd kind of talk to their brewery manager and kind of approve something. But um, I'd say the first, you know, we, we've had seasonal beers for quite a while. We just sort of changed it a little bit and added more, you know, just basically cool. doing more. So the brewers, you know, we do seasonal stuff. They, get, they still get their own taps, you know, their own handles. we got a lot of handles a lot of places, so, right. so we got to fill them, you know. Are you guys putting these in cans at all, or is it just going to be? Yeah, we'll do some. Lit, we'll do some canning. I think there was. We were looking at some earlier when we were over in the. Was that what those were? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, we did see that. Yeah. So I was those. Like, are, I don't know that. I beer. think yeah. those are for sale over. In the, we we sell on property here in the gift shop. We'll sell the cans. I actually, might take some with me. But uh, there's also the McMinnimans. <laughs> we'll buy some. There's also the McMinnimans bottle shop on Twenty Third and Thurman. No. Yeah. Well, it's, Savior. It's between Thurman and Savior. So that's yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. That place is really cool. And you guys, it's really that's a really cool spot because you guys also. Sell other people's beer. We sell all of it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's rad. Instead of just being like, you can only get our <laughs> beer. Brr, brr, brr. No, it's like, no, if we're going to open a bottle shop, yeah, now you get to control your product. Uh, that was that was another thing we started doing. Uh, you know, we've did it a few years now, but we, we wanted to work with breweries we have a connection with, you know, with a lot of the local breweries mm-hmm. in, in town and in the coast, you know, Bowie and Fort George. We'll carry, you know, we'll carry their taps on, at our locations as well as yeah. our stuff, you know. So we'll get two or three extra guest taps and we'll have some of theirs as well. I forgot that I'd been down there before, and the, the, the tavern yeah. pool hall, which is right up the street from there, and Blue Moon on 21st and Gleason. I should really write a list down. Well, they have the McMinniman's passport, right? You yep. can you can have it stamped every location you, can go you on go tour to. and get some prizes, get some swag and some food, and you know have <laughs> can, some fun. Can I get backlogged on that one? Uh, <laughs> that has know. been asked before. Oh, I'm sure it has. <laughs> now I am joking, but someone's just yeah, someone's just and you being said, people. and this is from the last. Just one question. You said the Greenway Pub was one of the original pubs you guys had, the one out in yeah, Beaverton. Number two. I I don't know if that's the one I've been to because there's two that it's are. A, it's in a shopping mall. So well, there's two right near me that are in shopping malls. There's one that's Murray, next, the Whole Foods, and there's one that's on Murray Allen. The one by Whole Foods is Greenway. Well, I Murray, have been there. The one okay. in Murray and Allen was the uh, I was the last brewer there. I actually, brewed at Murray and Allen really? for a while. Yeah, and uh, we I don't know what what the deal was. The time we closed that brewery uh, and moved the equipment somewhere else. I can't remember why. It was so, a while ago. So I have, without knowing, been to one of the first two locations of the Minimums. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I go that? to Chapel Pub. Isn't that where you guys have headquarters? That's where headquarters are, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I have headquarters, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's our beer of the week. It's 33rd State IPA. It's their spring seasonal IPA. It's really good. You're going to find it all over the place at every McMinniman's location and in cans, too. Uh, Dan, again, thank you so much. It's been a total blast being here. Really appreciate Absolute it. Absolute pleasure. Thanks. Uh, coming up next week on the podcast, we're going to do our next style-based podcast, the Belgian Wits, right? We're going to do Wits? Yes. All right, we'll do Wits. Wasn't that what the plan was? Sure, I forgot. And we have special glasses now, too. That and we, we have special glasses we can do them with. Uh, so that's going to be next week. Again, you can find us iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 1080thefan.com, radio.com, Stitcher, social media, at MikeLynch27 on Twitter, Patrick's at PDD085 on Instagram. And uh, every Thursday around 4 o'clock we post it. And that's where you can find us. Subscribe, rate, review. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Deuces. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.